Well, it's a huge loss, especially as a female not having a uterus anymore. I don't know. That's so defining for me <laughs> as a female, especially there. Like the first year, it just felt like my stomach was empty. My torso was empty. There really was an organ missing here and a very important organ that defines who I am. I mean, I had fears like, how am I even going to talk to my daughters when they get to that stage when it doesn't even happen to me anymore. I know I'm still a woman. I know I'm still a mom. And my husband was a big help. You know, he encouraged me and kept telling me, you are still you. You're still a mom. You're still a woman. You're still everything. And then just being surrounded by friends that acknowledged me and my feelings and let me go through all of those emotions. UC Health presents the Every Podcast. We're taking our signature wellness event, Every, which was created with the goal of providing inspiration for every woman and bringing that conversation to you podcast style. I'll talk to special guests and top experts on a variety of issues, including but not limited to children, stress, fertility, parenting, menopause, of course, love, work balance, you name it, if you're going through it, we are talking about it here on the Every Woman Podcast. It's very easy to get lost in the shuffle, ladies. I mean, I know we sometimes forget what we should be doing, how we should be eating, how we should be exercising. Well, we also forget how to take care of ourselves and what we need to do to get back on track. I am your host for this wonderful ride with women. Gloria Neal. I've worn many professional hats throughout my journey like you. Currently, though, I am a public servant. When I am not podcasting, I am the Director of Public Affairs for the Mayor of Denver. Now, the goal of this podcast, this entire series, help you live your best life physically as well as mentally and spiritually. And so with that, let's see who we have with us today. <laughs> so Naomi went through an emergency hysterectomy. You heard her talking, opening up the show. She did that after the birth of her third child when she suffered from placenta accretia. That's a condition where the placenta attaches to and then grows into the uterus. One of the side effects is hemorrhaging after giving birth, which is unfortunately what happened to Naomi and why she required the emergency removal of her uterus. When she woke up from surgery, Naomi, well, you could hear it in her voice. She was devastated. It took her a very long time to come with terms with her body and accept herself for who she was then and, quite frankly, who she is now. So we'll hear more on Naomi, but I want to get to the woman who can talk about all things, whether it's Naomi or Gloria or even Vanessa, our guest today is Dr. Vanessa Rollins, a psychologist in integrated primary care at UC Health. Dr. Rollins, before we get into it, I got to say it's wonderful to meet you. It's wonderful to be here, Gloria. Thank you for having me. You are very welcome. So, Vanessa, as a therapist, do you deal with many patients who, like Naomi, have had to come to terms with their body after a surgery or a big change where they don't feel complete? 
Yeah, I do, Gloria. So in integrated primary care, I see women across the lifespan from girls who are struggling with changing bodies or the impact of social media on how they view themselves, all the way up to women who are dealing with menopause or health conditions or aging. So the full spectrum. Wow. You know, one of the things I know that we talked about was just the trauma, right, Mm -hmm. of what this looks like and how you wrap your brain around that. How do you, as a psychologist, help them get through this? Sure. And that's what came across most to me in listening to that story is just the shock that she must have experienced having come out of that and discovered something that she now had to wrap her head around. When it comes to trauma, I think as you're delving into how you feel about yourself, you need some time to kind of resolve that trauma, to get through everything that you went through and how it impacted how you felt about yourself and your body. So before you can sort of hone in on how you feel about yourself, it takes time to resolve that trauma. It does. So body issues, body shaming, (laughs) I only giggle because it is so frustrating when you hear not just men, but other women shaming other women. But body shaming is a big deal today, especially for women. And as we know, many women struggle with accepting their bodies. And unlike Naomi, who struggled with what her body was no longer able to do, for many women, it is about how we look, how our bodies look. What do you say to women who are patients of yours And they're struggling with accepting their body. So what I always start with is what is the negative thought that you're having about yourself? And in what situations does it come up? And then how would you prefer to believe about yourself Mm. given that circumstance? If you're looking in the mirror and you're trying on a dress and the first thought that comes to your head is, oh, I look fat in this. I'm ugly. I'm stupid. No one's going to think I'm attractive. Mm -hmm. Well, that's the negative thought. And in that circumstance, what would you prefer to believe about yourself? And the thought that you want to replace it with isn't always necessarily positive per se, right? Mm-hmm. The positive thought might be, I am the most smoking hot, you know, <laughs> piece of slice out there. Uh-huh. And maybe that's not necessarily true either. Uh-huh. What you're looking for is something neutral, something that really accepts yourself in the way that it is right in that moment. That maybe I have a few extra pounds, but that doesn't mean I don't look wonderful and that I'm not okay and valuable. Mm. That's what we really strive for is that balanced thought. Right. So I am enough. Exactly. There was that old book from the 70s. Maybe you've heard of it. I'm okay. You're okay. Yes. Well, that still applies. That's what we're looking for is I'm okay no matter what. And so practicing that probably is beneficial as well. It's so easy to get some negative thoughts in your head and trying to erase them is sometimes you feel like it's futile, but replacing that with positivity And it has to be very intentional because I often wonder, why is it so doggone easy to dog ourselves and it's so hard to be graceful to ourselves? Mm -hmm. I practice mostly cognitive behavioral therapy. And in cognitive behavioral therapy, we really try to hone in on what are the thoughts. And we think of those thoughts just basically as automatic thoughts. Right? We didn't come into the world with them, that some life experiences sort of put them there. Yeah. And all they are are these neural pathways that have been created in our mind that we can uncreate, that we can change. But it takes time to create new neural pathways. And that may be rehearsing that new thought over and over and over again until that thought becomes automatic. You know, that makes so much sense. And so much of our self-acceptance is developed very early in life and is heavily influenced by how we were raised or from traumatic experience. You talked about we arrive on this planet with nothing in there, and then all these experiences help put these thoughts 
in our head, share some examples of the things that can negatively impact a woman's self-esteem. And I know this might seem rudimentary, but it leads to other things. So talk to me, Vanessa. Yeah, childhood is a big one. I mean, that's the sort of classic psychology is we are product of our upbringing and our early life experiences, that if we didn't come into this world with a family that was loving or supportive or affirming, those are the thoughts that get created in our mind, that we're not valuable people. Right. Or if we have trauma later in life, that those experiences rewire the way that we think about ourselves. Mm -hmm. So it takes resolving that trauma in order to be able to move to the next step and change your thoughts. How does a child even know or how does that manifest itself in women as we come up, especially girl children? Because that's really what I'm getting at here, because it shapes us for the duration, good or bad. Right. You probably remember that viral video that went around where that father had his little girl in front of the mirror and he was telling her those affirmations. That's a perfect example of how a father can really imprint these wonderful views of self and self-image in a child. That's mm -hmm. the most perfect example. It is. Unfortunately, not all kids have that, but there's other ways that they can build those positive impressions, other relationships with other family members, with people that you choose to have a relationship with, a trusted teacher, a trusted pastor, somebody in your life, a trusted parents of a family member that you can turn to to get those experiences from. Right. Those positive experiences, because you're right. One of the things that I can remember as we share and talk about what this looks like in our lives. I can remember my nephew saying, oh gosh, she's really playing great basketball. This is his daughter and she's doing great and she's wonderful. And she's just, oh, she's growing by leaps and bounds. I said, that's awesome. I said, but make sure she knows that if she misses that basket, that you still don't love her. Right, exactly. Thank you for bringing this up, because I think in psychology, the stereotype is that we sort of turn to the mothers. Right. So the father is really important, too, in how we view ourselves. And that's why I say, in a traditional sense, fathers are the first men in a little girl's life, if that father is there, part of that family unit, because it shapes you. All of these things lead us to where we are today as women. We bring all that with us into every relationship. Yep, self-esteem, that's a perfect way to describe it. It's how you feel about yourself in all circumstances. So I'm glad that you're saying the things that you're saying because I wanna talk about how self-improvement can be used in an effective way because sometimes self-improvement can make you feel worse. Mm -hmm. Can you share about or talk about the differences between self-improvement and self-acceptance? Self-improvement is a wonderful thing. It's mm -hmm. maybe I want to lose a few pounds. It's maybe I want to get more ripped at the gym or learn a language or something. That's wonderful. But self-acceptance is a little deeper. It's more pervasive. It's this sense of I'm a good and valuable person regardless. And not having that self-acceptance is often what undermines people's drive towards self-improvement. People who, for example, have a, a huge significant weight loss, mm -hmm. their body changes on the outside, but how they feel about themselves doesn't necessarily change. And it's because they have this thought, I'll be happy when, mm. I'll be happy if. And then they do that thing and discover, I still feel the same about myself. Yeah. So self-acceptance is something much deeper that we need to address before that can't always be resolved with self-improvement. That is real talk that you are giving because I'm hearing you say you can't really achieve real self-improvement until you accept yourself as you are. Right. It because just means I'm okay no matter what. I love myself no matter what. Right. 
we come back to I am enough. Mm -hmm. So this is a big one, especially since COVID struck. Check this out. Just about every woman I know has talked about gaining weight and how her go-to pants involve spandex. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I can see how self-acceptance is at the root of things since you can't really feel good about yourself until and unless you are content with yourself as is. We know that. How do we get there? There's a lot of different ways. It's therapy. Like I said, I practice cognitive behavioral therapy. There's mindfulness. You know about mindfulness. Mm -hmm. I like to prescribe what's called guided imagery and affirmations. There's a whole movement around that. And it's sort of getting your body into this relaxed state. And in that relaxed state, your brain is more receptive to integrating new information. So you can get in this relaxed state and find yourself being able to think in new and different ways. So people can record their own affirmations and relax and listen to them, or there's all kinds of free content out there. There's a wonderful organization that puts out all sorts of guided imagery tapes for a variety of different things. But that's one way that people can do on their own that's really helpful to change how we view ourselves. Wow. So you've said it several times, cognitive behavioral therapy. Mm Mm-hmm. Explain what cognitive behavioral therapy, or CBT, is. It's one of the many types of therapies out there that are really helpful, but CBT is focusing on the thoughts, the behaviors, the physical sensations, and the emotions that encompass anxiety or depression or unhappiness or behavior change, any of that. So it's working on all of those pieces to bring about change for somebody. Now, if we talk about CBT and we talk about our struggles as women, something doesn't look right. I think every woman of every size has looked in the mirror and said, "Mm -mm, that is not going to (laughs) work. Right? You're going to have to bring something else, honey, because that does not look good. But in our quiet moments, that struggle, because a lot of times people look to you as the doctor. She certainly, she's beautiful and she doesn't have these problems. You say what? I say that the struggle is real, that this is something we all experience, that there's not one person immune to this at some point in time in their life, that this is skills that we all have to learn to be able to be happy. I say that to you, Vanessa, because sometimes the challenges that Black and white and Asian and Native American and Latino, all of us, when you look at being a Black woman as it relates to CBT and body shaming and We look at ballerinas who are black, who were told, your body does not look like it's supposed to look, so you can't be. Sure. I mean, there's definitely an extra burden on women of color, that there's this standard that we have to adhere to, that if I don't look like this person with long, wavy hair, or I don't have the right skin tone or the right eye shape, that I'm not as beautiful as the standard out there. So those can be really challenging and difficult issues to get through. And I think people turn to our mothers. We turn to our family members. We turn to our sisters. We turn to our community to get affirmation about, you know what? I may not look exactly like Kim Kardashian in today's right. world. Although plenty of white women are now comparing themselves to Kim Kardashian and coming what? up short, I think. Yeah. yeah, hello. It's interesting how body <laughs> image, body standards have changed yeah. over the years. That somehow our society finds a way to make somebody feel badly about themselves. Yeah. We have to get the support that we can to find a way to feel good about ourselves. And getting to that point of how we feel good, because I'm hearing you say, get rid of the stinking thinking. You're constantly putting yourself (laughs) down, right? Uh Stinking thinking. Don't even Mm -hmm. think that way. It is not going to benefit you. So why are you even going there? Yeah, yeah. But what you were saying, it sounds a lot like, again, 
in that family of mindfulness. So explain the difference between mindfulness and CBT because my understanding, mindfulness is also about stopping in the moment, becoming aware of your thoughts and feelings. But it sounds like these two are married or if not closely related. Well, the overlap there is this idea of thoughts are not facts, that just because we have the thought doesn't mean it's true. That just because we have the thought doesn't mean we can't notice it and then just let it go. So what you're really talking about is this concept of resiliency, that some people are just naturally better at it than others. They can go through the world's worst life experiences and come out okay. And others need to learn some tools to build resiliency. And that can be built in a lot of different ways. But the one that I always go back to because most of us can find some way around it are two things. It's exercise and exercise in some way or another and social support. Those are the two things that we know proof us against a lot of different things. That if we have some activity and fitness in our lives, that does a host of things for how we feel about ourselves and how our brain adjusts, how we do chemically. Exercise is huge, as well as social support, that even if your family wasn't great, even if you don't always have the greatest friends, can you find some way to get that support in life? Those are the two most important things that I usually say to everybody. I think this pandemic has really shown how much we rely on support. Yes, absolutely. And I think that's why this sort of nationwide tsunami of depression and anxiety is hitting us, because it's ripped at the core of this need of social support. That's right. So getting that is the most important thing that we can have. Hearing about Naomi having had the emergency hysterectomy after childbirth and being unable to not have kids, I can relate to that because I've had my uterus removed because of fibroids and painful heavy periods, but I did not have the additional emotional challenges of feeling empty or, and I don't have any children, but I knew that that ship had sailed long before my uterus started acting up. I understood. And so for every woman, it is different. I can remember even my mother saying to me, and this was as a woman, it became so profound. I've struggled. Naomi struggled. You struggled with fertility issues. Talk about that. I did. And that was the first thing I thought of when she talked about sort of feeling that her body had failed her. I had that experience. And infertility is a painful, soul-sucking process. Yeah. But what helped me get through it and why I espouse this so deeply is guided imagery and affirmations. That's not probably what helped me eventually have a child, which I do have, Mm -hmm. but it deeply helped me feel like less of a loser, right? (laughs) I still remember the words in this audio that I listened to time and time again was, my body is my oldest friend and my strongest ally. I'll never forget that. That that's deeply true of all of us. This body's been here for me in so many other ways. Whether or not I can have a child, it's still my body and it's done so many other things for me. Oh my gosh, I am so taking that from you. Yeah. yeah. My body is my deepest friend and my oldest ally. Mm -hmm. It is. All the things you want it to do, you better think about all the things it's doing. Sure, that maybe it can't do this one more thing of producing a child or whatever it is, but it still can do a hundred other things that I deeply value. And so affirmations go a long way in helping that process. Yeah. So when you wake up in the morning, which affirmation, what do you say to yourself that affirms who you are on this planet? I'm not sure if it's completely conscious, but if I know I'm going to have not a great day, I always try to remind myself I have the skills to get through this day. Mm. And at the end of the day, I'll be okay. It might be a struggle. This day may be a struggle, but you know what? I'll get through it. At the end of the day, I'm going to be okay. 
That is beautiful, Vanessa. It is. In the context, though, of fertility, think about this. What kind of affirmations would you use? Because, you know, sometimes it's hard to reprogram on the fly. Immediately after all these years, your first thing was, you're a loser. Yeah. It comes back because you remember it like it was yesterday. Oh, big time. Our brains are so fast with thoughts and emotions. How do you get to the point that you remember, this is my oldest ally and my best friend? It's rehearsing it over and over and over again. I wish I could say, you know what? I'm just going to tell you this thing, and you will suddenly think differently, and you will be all fine and great. It's rehearsing it over and over and over again. The thoughts that we have in our mind are automatic. They've been there for a long time. So it takes some time to undo them. So don't be afraid to keep rehearsing that thought over and over and not be discouraged when it doesn't become automatic immediately. It takes time. I must have listened to those affirmations 10,000 times. So now it comes to me like that. Mm -hmm. But it took some time. That's awesome. No, that's really good advice because it does matter what comes out of our mouths and what is in our heads. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, simple to say, not always simple to do. And I get it. And what people are hit with their barrage of thoughts of, oh, I'm a bad person. I'm a bad daughter. I'm a bad family member. Well, you can learn to quell those thoughts and decide how am I going to live consistently with how I want to view myself. Oh, man, I tell you, boy, the mind is amazing. It's stronger than the body gives it credit for sometimes, I think. So... My guest today, someone who I absolutely know I'm going to have lunch with, this is Dr. Vanessa Rollins, (laughs) and we are talking about self-acceptance and what that could mean for you. So up next, we're going to take a little break, but when we come back, how to take those positive thoughts and feelings and put them into positive actions, leading to self-love on the other side. Back in a moment on The Every Podcast. The first two years, even I was scared to trust my body. I was scared to trust myself. So I just kind of didn't put much care into it because I was just kind of like, you know, my body failed me and maybe I was angry and mad at it. So I just didn't focus on my body. But especially this last year, I really am reminded of how much my body has done for me and how strong it really is. And I need to nourish it and I need to feed it. And so I've been really focused a lot as well on my mental health, especially, but physical health in the last year, it's reminding me my body is strong and there's so much I can still do with my body. My body isn't just to make another children. My body has more purposes. Welcome back to The Every Podcast. And if you have comments, questions, and suggestions, I definitely want to hear from you. You know, maybe there's a topic that you want covered. Maybe there's one you want revisited. You got to let me know. Just go to the uchealth.org forward slash every, that's spelled E-V-R-E, and just click on that button that says stay in touch. Yeah. Yeah. Then you'll just follow the prompts. So make sure you do that because we certainly want to hear from you. Again, that is uchealth.org forward slash E-V-R-E, every. So now earlier we listened to Naomi, who you just heard coming back from break, and she struggled for a time with an unexpected hysterectomy after childbirth, but she eventually came around after a period of mourning. 
She was able to appreciate, as you hear her say, all the other things that her body could still do as opposed to what her body could not do. And this sounds similar to your experience, Vanessa, in that Naomi was finally able to accept her body. And that acceptance allowed her to see beyond any limitations. She began to value her body in different ways. Naomi even began to take better care of her body. She started talking about working out and feeling better. But as a result, that better is that enough. How do you help patients accept their bodies as is for all the great things it can still do? Exactly the recipe that she described. She got to the place that she needed to get to, that what she did was grieve the loss. And we all have losses that we absolutely need to grieve. Absolutely. And that's okay. She grieved that loss. And then she refocused on what can my body still do for me that I love and value. And that's where she got. That's the recipe. What will you tell women who take a magazine, looking at the magazine, and they're saying, God, I've just been working out. And I don't look anything like that. What do you say to them? I think it's okay to have the goal to want to look a certain way, to want to be a stronger, fitter, healthier version of you, the younger version of you. Those things are okay. But it's accepting the reality that I might not look exactly like that person, but that doesn't mean I'm not beautiful in a different way. It is so hard with all that we have coming at us. We acknowledge that where you're looking at this standard of beauty and you say, well, I don't look nothing like that. (laughs) Am I not still beautiful? Am I not still a person who is worthy of being on this planet or involved in fill in the blank, whether it's a work activity or personal activity or whatever it is? How is it that women got to this spot? Is it because of social media? Social media has a lot of wonderful qualities, wonderful ways that it has brought together the world, but many things that has done that has not been healthy for how we view ourselves. And there's a lot of good data that social media is associated with anxiety and depression, especially in young people. I had a young woman that I saw as a patient years ago who told me that she finally had to take a break from social media because she realized she never got away from it. She said, I was at a bus stop one day and I felt bad about myself because something popped up on Insta or whatever, or Snapchat. I'm at a bus stop, and I feel badly about myself because it invaded every second of her life that she didn't have a break. In the old days, you had to go into a store to get a magazine to feel bad about yourself. That's right. But now you have the access to it all the time. And then it's just so stylized and so perfect, so airbrushed, so much perfection that goes along with it that we don't even get to see it, just this altered sense of reality that is really deeply affecting to us. A lot of times women do not process that this has been airbrushed. I remember on social media at one point, everybody was taking pictures without makeup. I know. know. They all still look stunning. (laughs) And I can remember people saying, Gloria, what do you use on your skin? Even like I'm looking at your skin. Your skin is so glowing. It's so beautiful. It just looks like this is who I am. This is all I'm working with. Well, that is true. Right. So thank you. (laughs) (laughs) But my point is, when you start thinking about the reality of who we are as human beings, as women, how do we get to the point that we say, you don't have to have on makeup? I don't have any makeup today. People would say, I won't leave the house without any makeup. I got on some Vaseline on my lips or some lip oil and let's go. Yeah. But I wasn't always that way. Mm -hmm. Getting there was a process of 
Why are you putting it on? And not having to live up to someone else's expectations, Mm -hmm. even though they have not shared their expectations with me, but because I've seen these pictures, Mm -hmm. you are supposed to look that way. And our girls get it even younger than we got it. Oh, sure, big time. And they call that the unseen stage that I always feel like, especially adolescents, I always feel like I'm on this unseen stage that everyone's looking, staring, thinking about me, that I'm in front of the whole world, even though I'm just out at the grocery store or something. Wow. But, you know, I think either of those ways of doing things are okay. So maybe I need to be in full makeup when I go to the grocery store because that's how I like to look. That's consistent with how I view myself. But that's different from that's how I've got to look. Correct. It's absolutely different than in saying, you know what, the world's going to judge me, devalue me, think I'm terrible because I'm not in full makeup today. Exactly. So self-care, it's interesting how self-care comes down to valuing yourself rather than putting value on yourself. Yeah, it's less what you're doing and more why you're doing it. I've talked with many women who were very depressed, and so for them, leaving the house with a little makeup on was a way of caring for themselves, a way of saying, I matter, I'm going to take five minutes to put on my face to show the world or show me that I care about myself. About three months ago, I had a good girlfriend of mine who was diagnosed with stage four ovarian cancer and in the fight of her life right now. And I can remember going and visiting her several times. And I would look at her and I say, you got on makeup and you all dress. And she said, when you look better, you feel better. I want to feel better. Mm-hmm. And she said, it is important to get in that mindset. And how I reverse that in my brain, because, you know, at one point during this pandemic, my husband was like, okay, I know you love that black robe. (laughs) 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 But at some point, are you going to get out of it, honey? And I was like, babe, I feel so down, Mm -hmm. felt so down and depressed and challenged. And when Julia said that to me, Many weeks later, after me and my husband had the black robe dialogue, Mm -hmm. it made me remember my mother used to say all the time, I feel bad today, but I'm getting up because when I get up, I feel better, I look better. All of that goes hand in hand. Yeah. Let's do something here, something a little different. So sometimes it's people having to touch base with their old selves. What did the old me used to like to do and think and say? And how far have I gotten away from that old me that I really was happy with? How far away have I gotten from that person? And what do I need to do to get back to that person again? So is that giving yourself some grace, some compassion? Yeah, we all needed compassion over this last year or so. Oh, my gosh, we needed so much compassion because— We could have all done the most perfectly we could have done, and it still was a struggle. It's definitely a struggle for everybody, whether you had no resources or the most resources. We all suffered in a lot of different ways. That's exactly right. So that grace is really important, but it's like, okay, I can give myself some understanding of why things are the way they are, but I still have to do something different so I can feel better. As a doctor, as a woman, as a woman of color, Mm -hmm. while we get— What we're saying when we talk about those disenfranchised portions of the population and socioeconomics, I still always want to look at we're all in this boat together. We all got to deal with these issues together. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What are some of the things through this pandemic that have challenged you as a woman? And what are some of the things that you, yourself, your being, surprise you, the doctor? Well, I think as a woman, both personally and the women I've cared for is the impact that we've had on career because of family. 
whether it's children or whether it's extended family, whether it's aging parents, that we all had to work. Most of us still had to work. And there was this added burden of now what am I going to do for these people who I have to care for at the same time? So I think women got slammed extra hard in this. We all got slammed, so I don't want to invalidate anybody. But I think women had that extra burden of I have more than one role. So now I've got nine jobs instead of just one job. And those things, focusing on that awakening, it's made a huge difference in many women's lives where this has exposed that unfair factor that we hadn't even thought about. Mm -hmm. Oh, sure. Social scientists are going to be studying this for decades to come, the impact to the workforce, the impact to salary, the impact to retirement. It's fascinating and unfortunate. It really is. So we've talked about focusing on the positive things about your body and what it can do when you do that instead of all the things that it cannot do. Some of the other things women can do are focus on your health feeling good rather than focusing on the numbers. I always say throw the scale away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or move it into a place that you've forgotten where the hell you put it. Mm -hmm. But get rid of it because when you set health-related goals rather than size-related goals, they are more attainable. People tend to find them more palatable, less critical when Mm -hmm. it's about I'm taking care of myself versus I have to weigh this certain amount. So often what I tell people is it's really about how you're treating your body, that you don't need to be perfect, but eating two sleeves of Oreos (laughs) is okay occasionally, (laughs) but it's also not treating yourself very nicely. That's right. That maybe it's a bit of something you needed in that moment, but doing it regularly isn't the nicest thing to do for yourself. So it's not about good or bad. It's how I want to treat myself. Remember, loving your body is a process, a journey, so to speak, and it will not happen overnight. Sometimes we want it and we want it now. I know, right. I want to feel better. I want to feel better today. That's the part that we need to work on, being patient with ourselves, that grace, that acceptance, recognizing that we all come in different shapes and sizes, and it is not fair to compare yourself to others. I always say, you are your own competition, Glow. And keeping that focus whenever I'm going to the gym and you know so-and-so is looking at you, I'm like, please don't keep up with me. Don't even, because I don't even know I'm on the planet. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I need to get this for myself. Yeah, that's great. They had a study that came out several years ago about when people went to the gym, if they sat there and focused on negative thoughts about, you know, oh, I need to do faster because I'm so ugly and I'm not as pretty as that person, they were less likely to return and persist than people who went to the gym and said, I'm doing this because I feel strong, I feel healthy, good for me. So it's really important how we think about it. Once again... Stinking thinking. Yeah, I'm telling you, yeah. So yeah, yeah. stop believing that looking a certain way will make you happier, and you really hit the nail on the head. Healthy comes in all shapes and sizes, mm-hmm. and understanding that. And then do something every day that makes your body feel good. My oldest friend, my strongest ally. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But the point is, you really do get to see how strong you are. And strong you are doesn't mean you won't get knocked down. It just means, well, you get your butt up. That's a great way to put it, is you can be really strong and healthy and still get knocked down. And we can stay down for a while, but the point is we can get up again. That really is the key, is just because you got knocked down doesn't mean that's where you have to stay. I love that. To sum up Dr. Rollins's top five takeaways for self-acceptance, number one, sometimes people need to do the work around personal trauma before they're able to focus on self-acceptance. Consider seeing a therapist to work through some of those bigger issues. Number two, cognitive behavioral therapy. 
that can help us change negative thought patterns and find a more balanced, more helpful way of thinking about ourselves. Number three, practicing mindfulness. That can help us ignore critical thoughts or feel less bothered by them. Number four, positive affirmations can also help us change negative thought patterns and feel better about ourselves as well. And number five, find ways of practicing self-care since taking care of your body and mind can make you feel better about yourself. Dr. Vanessa Rollins, it's been so great. Just in case you didn't, I know it really did feel like a therapy session. I should get this woman a copay, actually. <laughs> you pay on the way out. That's exactly right. Your honesty and insights and your time, invaluable. Thank you. Thank you. It was so wonderful to be here. I love talking to you. Woo. To find out more about today's expert and she is that, or even access the show notes for this episode, that's going to be a treat too. Visit uchealth.org forward slash Every That's E-V-R-E. And do not forget, I would love to hear from you. If you have questions about our episodes or even if you have suggestions for future episodes, you can always send an email or leave a voicemail message. Remember, if it is happening to women anywhere, we are discussing it so you can listen everywhere. Just go to uchealth.org forward slash E-V-R-E. And that's pronounced every. All you got to do is click the stay in touch button. So thank you so much for joining us. And one last request. I want to say this to you. Please subscribe, share, rate, and even review our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, everywhere where there are podcasts, we are there. Every is produced by UC Health. Until next time, ladies, have a good one.